0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Heredity Podcast. I'm your host, James Bergen. And if you cast your mind back a few episodes, you might remember that I rarely work on these podcasts alone. You see, I share my desk with a slumbering black cat called Nigel. And Nigel wasn't my first companion. I grew up with dogs, we briefly had a goldfish, friends and family have owned rabbits, ferrets, horses, any number of animals really. And one thing that most of these pets have in common is that you just can't find them in the wild. And that's because these are domestic varieties of once wild organisms. Now, domestic animals have fascinated biologists for centuries. In fact, Darwin's concepts of evolution by natural selection were most heavily influenced by his observations on the domestic plants and animals he kept in his own backyard especially pigeons, for which he had a particular fancy. But today's podcast focuses on a different, more economically important domestic bird. As we're going to be discussing the recent heredity paper, changes in pituitary gene expression may underlie multiple domesticated traits in chickens. You see, in the quest to understand the domestication process, biologists have often looked at the external characteristics or behaviour. But the authors of this paper hypothesise that the pituitary gland – This small organ that plays a critical role in the regulation of hormones may actually be responsible for generating the domesticated phenotype that other researchers have focused so heavily on. I spoke to lead author Dr. Amir Falasharudi from the University of Uppsala to find out about this fascinating idea. Here it is. In your paper you refer to the domesticated phenotype. Mm -hmm. What is this phenotype?
1: Domesticated animals, mostly in general, share a set of uh, morphological and uh, behavioral traits that we can say it has domesticated phenotype. For example, like in general, they are bigger excluding the chihuahuas and many breeds of dog that we selected them to be smaller. And they don't have a strict seasonal reproduction. There is also certain color variants that are more common in domesticated animals, like a white color, for example. And also they are docile and have a lower stress response compared to the wild one. All of them together can be called as a domesticated phenotype.
0: Okay, perfect. So I mean, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that would probably be quite familiar to a lot of people listening when you kind of think about domesticated animals versus their wild counterparts. Mm -hmm. But in this study, you've Mm -hmm. chosen to focus on chickens and one of their wild relatives. So what was it about this species that really kind of drew you in? Why did you choose to study it? And
1: how are they different to their wild relatives? Uh, Yeah, firstly, because the chicken are cute and they're underrepresented and they're descendants of dinosaurs, which make them super cool. And with chicken, they are uh, the most numerous domesticated species in the world. So there are like around 50 billion chickens living in this planet now. And we don't know much about them. And because we are studying domestication, there are like uh, many questions, especially when it comes to like gene expression or physiology it's not as easy to do in other domesticated animals as in chicken. For example, like um, the chicken lay eggs. So there is less maternal effect. So you can study chicks that have gone through similar process of incubation and aging. Also, chickens are like classic model of like developmental studies. Okay, and of course there are like hundreds of different species selected or evolved for different appearances. It makes them an uh, interesting species to study domestication.
0: Yeah, definitely. One of my sort of guilty internet pleasures is looking at all of the ridiculous domesticated varieties of chickens. There's a lot of very <laughs> strange-looking chickens out there. But I mean, kind of, yeah, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> when you talk about that because there are so many phenotypic traits that you could focus in on. But in this study, you zoomed in on something that a lot of people probably wouldn't think about, and that's. Just expression in the pituitary gland. And why is it that the pituitary gland is Mm -hmm. interesting in terms of domestication? Mm
1: -hmm. Pituitary glands like uh, live between brain and a lot of different glands in the body. So it gets the signals from the hypothalamus and also it's going to give the signal or directly is going to affect the other organs in the body. Uh, the pituitary gland lies between brain and behavior and uh, different various phenotypes that are affected by the domestication. For example, pituitary gland is involved in the stress response uh, and the stress response is modified in the domestication. It's also involved in the reproduction. Reproduction is modified in the domestication. So in that sense, it's interesting and also given it's important, I think pituitary gland is very, very overlooked when it comes to domestication studies.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, I mean, I guess, like, given that it's involved in so many things, I'm assuming the gene expression, it's quite complex anyway. So what were the overall trends of gene expression that you were seeing between the domesticated and wild chicken varieties?
1: Yeah. Uh, firstly, there were like uh, around 500 genes that they were expressed differently between the wild type and the domesticated chicken. But on the other hand, we know that just like the gene expression can vary neutrally. It means that the gene expression is different, but it has been tolerated and it doesn't have any effect. So a lot of these genes potentially don't have a function because these breeds are separated from each other from 6,000 years ago and gene expression... Can fix over time. But then some of them are meaningful, or some of them are doing a function related to the domestication, and some of them are just differently expressed without having a particular function. Then we focused on the genes that are uniquely expressed in the pituitary gland from a different paper. They did an RNA sequencing and then they came up with a list of pituitary specific genes. These genes are uniquely or highly expressed in the pituitary gland. So to narrow down the genes amongst those 500 that are potentially important, we overlapped this list of genes. Then we had like around uh, 34 candidate genes. Among them, there were like a glucocorticoid receptor, for example, that was expressed at a higher level in domesticated chicken. is involved in stress response and its increased expression to negative feedback loop can suppress stress response, for example. Also, there were like other genes in that uh, candidate gene, uh, such as uh, agoutis signaling peptide or acid. Its increased expression in white leghorn, for example, can be related to them being bigger. Because it's related to obesity. It's also related to blocking the pigmentation and inducing yellow color. Also, like there were genes known uh, to be involved in development and sexual maturity, such as DIO2 and thyroid stimulating hormone. They were also higher expressed in the domesticated breed, which may be related to faster development and the fact that they reach sexual maturity earlier.
0: There's some very cool results. Obviously, there you, you've highlighted some of the sort of key genes and the key pathways that are potentially involved here.
1: Yes, exactly. In the pathways that are modified in domestication were differently expressed between the breed. That was very interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it kind of it highlights the role that the pituitary gland might be playing in a whole number of different domesticated traits further down Um But I guess I have also been involved in some gene expression studies and often we find stuff that's a little bit surprising. So I wonder if there were any significantly Uh differentially expressed genes that you were finding that either didn't necessarily fit your story or you weren't expecting or that were a bit unusual.
1: The surprising thing in this study was uh, like almost everything was within our dream or within our expectation. I was not expecting to find this many key genes differently expressed in the pituitary gland. Everything was within the, within, what is that? What can I say? Within are speculation based on the phenotype. Um, the only thing that was like not um, there was another gene pre-Opio melanocorticoesteroid uh, POMC the, it's a precursor of ACTH. In our previous studies found it to be higher expressed in the white red jungle fold chicken which is consistent with the higher stress response and higher uh, corticosterone uh, response of this chicken. But in this study we did not find that difference. That was interesting. Yeah, and, and the
0: red jungle fowl that's the wild one so the wild variety has higher stress
1: levels in general yes yeah yeah that was interesting yeah <laughs> uh, that yeah that everything just made sense <laughs> that was a surprising finding
0: I, I guess it's also nice to know that um domesticated animals might be under a little bit less stress than the wild counterparts <laughs> which um... Yeah. Um, So I guess it is an incredible amount of data you find here with all of the genes and all the different pathways. What do you think broadly your study is telling us about the role of the pituitary gland in chicken domestication and what this can maybe help us
1: understand about the domestication process more generally? Um, I can see definitely the pituitary gland is involved in the domestication process based on what we expect and based on what we see in the gene expression. But on the other hand, still, it's going to bring more questions. But for example, Is it the gene expression in the pituitary causing the domesticated phenotype or because gene expression can be influenced by, for example, the signal from the brain? So we don't know if the domestication affected at the pituitary gland or if the pituitary gland is something between the brain and the other phenotype. So, I mean, are you essentially saying that you don't know if selection is acting on the pituitary gland or on other structures which are then influencing gene expression in the pituitary gland? Exactly. Both could be possible. Exactly. So I cannot be sure at the moment if the pituitary is causing or is actually part of the domesticated phenotype. Also, I don't know how much of this because we have studied the gene expression at the bulk tissue. So So if the cell composition, because of the domestication, changes in the pituitary gland, I don't know how much of this uh, gene expression that is difference between this breed is caused by change in the number of the different cell types and in the amount of expression within each cell type. But I can think of potential future projects that I can study that in more detail. I mean, is, is that something that you are actively pursuing? Currently, I'm actually learning the techniques that can help me to study that more. At the moment I'm doing some um, functional work. So I'm using CRISPR-Cas9 for genome editing in chicken. That for example, if you have a uh, interesting candidate genes, uh, it can help us to knock it out or change its expression to study that gene uh, further in detail. I'm also going to work with the single cell sequencing. In that case, if we study the pituitary gland at the single cell level, then we can know how the cell composition has changed in the pituitary gland. For example, And if the genes are differentially expressed within each cell type. At least if we focus on the chicken, I think it can answer more questions. That was Dr. Amir Failashirudi, lead author in the recent heredity paper.
0: Changes in pituitary gene expression may underlie multiple domesticated traits in chickens. And I think you'll agree that there is some really fascinating research going on here. And I wish Amir the best of luck applying for fellowships to continue this, because there really is some great potential here to help us understand a key aspect of evolutionary biology that, frankly, has shaped the history of our species. Now, moving on to something a little bit different, in the last episode of the Heredity podcast, I introduced you to the Genetic Society's other podcast, Genetics Unzipped, hosted by Dr. Kat Arney. In all likelihood, the next episode of this will drop on the same day as this one does. But Kat, what was in the last episode you released? In the latest episode of Genetics Unzipped, we're digging in the vegetable patch in search of flavorful GM tomatoes, chunky onion genomes, and Mendelian peas. Are people like peas? Are peas even like peas? And why does an onion need more DNA than you do? Genetics Unzipped is brought to you by the Genetics Society. Listen and download from geneticsunzipped.com or wherever you get your podcasts please do go check it out, subscribe, and make sure to tweet Cat what you think about it at cat underscore arnie. That's us for today. You can find the paper featured in today's episode on the Heredity website. That's www.nature.com forward slash hdy. While you're there, you can find out more about the journal and how you can get your research published in it. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow Heredity on Twitter. That's at Heredity Journal. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, drop me an email at hereditypodcast.gen at gmail.com. I'm James Bergen. Tune in next time.